we're designing Clerk just now and, and I'm trying to think of things that might feel a bit dated like today I think I was designing like an illustration or something like that and I incorporated like a kind of grid illustration kind of like a background element and I was like this just feels dated to me now yeah it kind of like put me off you know I think it design changes so much in a short space of time you know we could go back to like flat buttons next week who knows you know I don't know welcome to deep dives my name is Rid and this is where we go deep with the best designers so that you can learn from their journey and apply it to your own career Today, I'm talking with one of my favorite visual designers, James McDonald. And if you've been on design Twitter at all, then you have definitely seen his work. It's stunning, and I think he's had as much influence as anyone on visual design over the past few years. So in this episode, we get a behind the scenes of his creative process, how he operates his freelance business, and we even look at some of his favorite visual techniques. But first, I wanted to learn a bit more about his recent career move to leave Tailwind and join Clerk as a designer. At the beginning, I was obviously fully back into freelancing, you know, and I was lining up a few clients and I was kind of just like ready to go full time and dive back in. And um, yeah, just obviously, Derek reached back out to me and, you know, he mentioned that he'd been doing a bit of, uh, you know, contract work and, and he was really excited about it and, and, and he just kind of felt like there was kind of like the beginning of something and, you know, he reached out and he was like, we're going to make you an offer and I was like, right, okay, I said, like, let's do it then. And the main reason why that was was because he felt like there was just a great opportunity f for, for something like fresh and new and, and just kind of like put this design team together that we can just literally take what's there on clerk.com and obviously the, the rest of the website and obviously the docs and uh, the actual product and app itself. Um, we literally are going to design every single pixel from scratch. And that was like, you know, obviously kind of a scary kind of challenging project, but I just loved the idea of like being a part of that and, I just felt as if it was like the right thing for me. Like right away when they asked me, I was like, oh God, I don't know. Like definitely not, you know, it was like more swaying towards that. But uh, once I spoke to everyone and, and Derek told me a bit more about how the, the kind of leadership and stuff like that were thinking about design, they were all on board and, and letting us just like make the decisions. And um, that's really important, especially when you're considering a full-time position. I think at the end of the day, the design decisions just should just lie with the design team and I've only been there like two months now I think but yeah the amount of work that we're firing out every week is pretty impressive and I just obviously can't wait to start sharing some of the bigger stuff. Something you talk about on your website is how you, you kind of specialize in helping brands establish their visual design style and I was messaging yeah. Derek Briggs, who you were talking about, and the person who recruited you to Clerk. I was talking to him last night, and mm -hmm. he specifically said that he didn't want to figure out the visual style until you joined the company. I can see, even just from some of the screenshots that you're sharing on Twitter, you are right in the middle of that process. So can you give us a little bit of yeah. a behind the scenes? <clears throat> what did that even look like in the early stages to figure out what is the clerk brand what is this yeah. refresh going to look like i think just as soon as you nail the landing page i think like the other pages feel a bit easier it was just a case of not thinking that clerk.com exists you know it was just a case of like how do we come up with something brand new and fresh and you know that was the kind of big challenge it took like maybe like a month of bouncing ideas off each other and it was only me and Derek at that point and a few other existing designers that were there but they were kind of like working on stuff that they would 
they were obviously working on at that time when I joined, you know. So when me and Derek came on, it was just a case of like really trying to figure out like the direction and what that looked like, you know. And I think that's like the biggest challenge of being a designer is like, how do you just make something out of nothing? It's the hardest thing. I think there was like an Apple keynote um, that, that just happened around about the time like I joined. And I was kind of thinking about what Clerk is. So it's all about like kind of authentication. I was just trying to think of like all the different kind of metaphors that, you know, jump out of that. Just daft things like, you know, face ID, you know, getting inspiration from that. How does like that animation work? And then obviously, like I said, the Apple keynote came around and they had all the kind of like exploded um, circuitry, kind of like 3D renders. I follow so many like 3D uh, artists on Twitter just because like I get so much inspiration from that. I just think it's really amazing how people can do 3D work, especially easy kind of highly detailed stuff like that. So that was one of the the kind of core ideas that I just kind of wanted to run with. Obviously, you know, inside the Figma file, it's nothing like that. You know, it's like a million different ideas. Um, the new iPhone came out, the titanium one, and they had that that kind of wispy particle dust stuff. And I seen that and I was like, I would love to do something like that. But it's just so intricate and my design skills are not that good in any other 3D program or anything like that. So I was like, how do I do that in Figma? And I'm pretty sure I tweeted something about that. And people were it was just like, it created a bit of drama. Like, oh, you can't do that in Figma. You can only, you can only do that in 3D apps or whatever. But yeah, we kind of just went back to square one and we're like, let's just run with like the kind of circuitry because it's pretty not easy to do, but it's like far easier to do than the particle stuff. So just started like kind of drawing, you know, a bunch of kind of different grids and, and, and circuitry and just try to kind of link them all together just as if like there's a kind of underlying layer um, behind like the product of Clerk, you know. And then from that, we explored that idea like a few different ways and we're trying to kind of like play on that kind of motif, if you like. When you see the new design, that's definitely at the heart of the kind of redesign. We're trying to kind of make it feel like, you know, like everything's kind of layered. We want the page to kind of feel alive and things are kind of happening, but we want it to feel it in a way that's not repetitive, you know? Like I was speaking to one of the guys, Brad, who's doing like a lot of the animation work for the design. I, I kind of mentioned to him that the kind of core idea for what we want to do is just to make the page feel like something different's happening on the page whenever you kind of come to it. So it's kind of like something new every time, you know, because you come here, you, you see animation stuff all the time and it's kind of repetitive. But like for me, I just wanted it to feel like when you see something in the hero, like a little bit of circuitry sparking out or something, that's the first time you see it. So kind of like working through how to make that one of the kind of main visual design elements of the new redesign. I asked last night, just on Twitter, what do you want to hear James talk about? And motion was a pretty consistent theme. A lot of people were curious. I'm curious. Yeah. So maybe we can even drill in on yeah. that a bit more. On one yeah. side, I'm interested in, you know, how do you even think creatively about where to add motion and Maybe you could also talk about how you're exploring that. How much of that is done in Figma versus, you know, yeah. just having like really close collaboration with engineering? I try not think too much about how every kind of frame of an animation might look. You know, I think that's just like a lot of work that doesn't need to happen, especially when you work with really good engineers. So I think like, you know, for me, I always just try and think of like a kind of beginning state and an end state. And I just think like, how can we bridge the two, whether that's, you know, if it's just like a kind of simple mock-up, you know, like I just try and like get the two states, the, the beginning state and the end state. 
um, and then like try and articulate like how something might happen to like the engineer. Derek, like just to go back to like the freelance work that we did, we worked on a company called Sequence. And at the very heart of that project was like the animation stuff because, you know, we wanted to really kind of make sure there was a part of the like the hero where we wanted to show like the kind of steps of like the, the product instead of just doing like, you know, really kind of simple screenshots of like the product or, you know, some like, you know, that sort of idea, we kind of decided to go this kind of articulate kind of like um, intricate like animation that kind of shows the steps of the product. So, um, yeah, I think like for that, it was definitely a case of designing each kind of almost frame of like the animation. Um, and that was all done like in Figma. And then it, and that just kind of helps the engineer, you know, it kind of helps them understand like what comes next i don't try and think like too much about it you know i think i think if you've got really good engineers that you work with and you're lucky to work with them which at clerk we do and we've got like a bunch of them now um you know i think like you can very easily you know just kind of articulate the two uh beginning and end state and just try and kind of work with them closely to to um, figure out the kind of in between you talked about this circuitry board, which is something I did want to ask about because it's yeah. beautiful, but I also am trying to identify some of the higher level techniques that you're using across the different websites that you're designing. And something I noticed was this presence of like an underlying background texture motif yeah. where for clerk it's the circuitry board for restream you have kind of like the wavy audio lines yeah maybe you could talk a little bit more about that and i'm also wondering are there other techniques that you kind of always incorporate into different websites like different boxes that you're checking where you know if you hit this goal it's going to make for a really visually interesting website yeah i, I did a bit of thinking on this and i tried to like I tried to like kind of come up with an answer that kind of helps people here because like I get asked about this all the time and I think like the underlying thing that I always do is just try and kind of play on the brand you know so whatever like the product is so obviously Restream you know you've kind of got like this web app that kind of deals with like live streaming and stuff like that so in the most simple terms like what what could you do or like what sort of kind of icon could you design to like encapsulate that you know like that product and yeah, the kind of like wavy kind of like audio lines came out of that. And, you know, once I, th I think once you have like that kind of basic idea, it's just about like trying to, you know, execute on that and Figma and just try and, you know, just try and come up with like a background pattern that can then maybe lead into something that kind of fits into like a, maybe a section on the page, you know, just, I think it's just about trying things and, and just throwing ideas at the wall that, that, that might stick, you know, going back to like the, the circuitry, you know, that's that's definitely, like, like you said, it's part of like the main kind of brand um, visual design of, of, of Clerk now. And um, yeah, like working on that, you know, in terms of like, um, like how we bring that to life, you know, we try, like I said before, we try and like just think about it in like layers, you know, um, I just, we want to make the page, like I said, feel alive and like making sure that those kind of layers are all stacked on top of each other. It just kind of gets like a sense of depth in it, uh, into like the page. So for example, like there's a there's a kind of element in the, the pricing page um, for Clerk and we just kind of like, you know, it's I think it's kind of interesting what happens sometimes if you just like kind of blow up like a logo or a brand, you know, because like, you can mm -hmm. get some like interesting shapes that come out of that, you know, um, just as it's so simple. It's just like, 
you know, just blow, like make the, the logo bigger, you know, and like, you know, maybe change the fill or change the stroke or, you know, rotate the icon, rotate the logo or something like that. You know, it can, you know, I think that just so many background elements have came out of me doing that. And it's just so simple. It's like, you don't have to think too deep about it. Just kind of play with what you've already got there. Um, and yeah, like I said, like sometimes just interesting things can happen. I'm so glad you brought that up because I was going to bring it up if you were not going to, which is, <laughs> I don't want designers to listen to this and think, man, I have to like, you know, manifest this really creative concept out of thin air and arrive at my own circuitry board because you do have yeah. another like shared technique that I've kind of identified just as from looking at more and more of your work is this idea of adding the blown up rotated logo subtly as like a background yeah. texture. And it even pops up, um, you know, for context, like I worked with Fonz Mans on the dive brand and he made these kind yeah. of circular bubbles that I use everywhere now. And all he did for yeah. the pattern in that circle is just took the dive logo, flipped it and rotated it a little bit and blew <laughs> it up. And you can't actually identify yeah. it as the logo anymore. It I just know. adds this kind yeah. of fun <laughs> texture. It's so simple. And yet yeah. it looks awesome. Once you see it and once you recognize it, I feel like you see it everywhere. So like another great example of a company that does that is uh, Cron, the calendar app. You're so right. like in their calendar app, they've got they've got like this, the right hand panel, but if at the bottom of the right hand panel, it's essentially just a logo like rotated like a bunch of times. You're right. I know. I can picture it exactly. It's beautiful. Are there other like mm -hmm. little pieces of visual inspiration or even full brands or websites that have really stood out to you recently? Betterstag's like one of the, the sites that I really, really liked. Um, just because honestly, like I really like how they've included like some textures, you know, they've got like a few, few of the kind of like diagonal line textures that were mm -hmm. like rife back in like the early 2000s, you know? <laughs> um, you know, I think that's honestly like I really hope that stuff kind of starts coming back in a way. I think it just adds like a level of depth to to whatever it is you're designing instead of just you know maybe like a, a just a simple kind of background color, which is fine to do that as well. I'm not I'm not hating on solid blocks of color, but um, you know, for me personally, I think you know just adding adding those little extra details just kind of just kind of um, adds a bit more to it, you know, and kind of gives you your own kind of like personality on the web. Yeah, that's beautiful. I mean, just looking at this site, I was just scrolling it for the first time and a lot of little pieces do kind of feel like they're straight out of your playbook. One other like <laughs> higher level thing that stands out to me that I really enjoy is the mixture. Like it's a very high contrast site. It's not just dark mode. They have the like white sections and the dark sections. And yeah. I think that adds like a liveliness. And I've noticed that You've been playing with that more even with the WAP website that you've been designing, which I've also saved to my yeah. inspiration database. Yeah, <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> the WAP site, yeah, that's been that's been really fun to work on just because, again, those guys, those guys just gave me like full creative freedom to, to kind of just express what I felt like the, the, the kind of new design for, for that um, component of their, their product um, was. So yeah, they just gave me like full creative freedom to kind of explore ideas and you know again on that site we kind of incorporate that same idea with using the logo and there's a section on there like where we just kind of like really have this kind of like faint um like enlarged logo that's just got like a dotted background so i want to get specific about 
some of the ways that you are refreshing the clerk brand and website and how you're thinking about all of those little details. So here's a before and after mm -hmm. of that pricing page that we were talking about. And you'll notice some of those themes that we were hinting at popping up here. But the main takeaway that I have is like, the content is pretty much exactly the same other than a third enterprise card yeah. and some content updates or like just copy reworking. This is the same yeah. content and yet it's a complete night and day difference. So maybe you yeah. can even zoom into the beginning of this part of the project. Like where did you start mm -hmm. and what were some of those steps that you took in your process to ultimately arrive at this design here on the right? Like I said to you before, this this is all very much, you know, up in the air and this is like one of the kind of latest um, you know, versions of, of this pricing page. It's kinda of evolved through the last few weeks that we've been working on it. I'd like to just start with like even just the background, you know, like obviously we incorporated the the, the kind of grid background there and, and on the home page it's actually kind of obviously like the lighter version um of it it's it's keeping with that kind of you know keeping it familiar you know like people will look at it and say like oh like that's just that's the same thing but it feels different just because it's on like the darker background and you've obviously got you know the kind of um light rays coming through like the logo and stuff like that so yeah that's like obviously you know one of the things that are kind of kept familiar from the home page but you know again just switching it up the, the the other main kind of thing that we've done with the background was like almost like cut it off so it feels like a chunk of like the background's been ripped off so it mm. kind of almost feels as if someone's like unscrewed like a panel or something like that you know and it's kind of like revealing the circuitry underneath um so that was that's kind of like again that plays on the the whole kind of under the hood kind of um you know, we're kind of like layering it up, like trying to layer the page up in a way. So that's kind of like one of the kind of main visual design aspects that are going to kind of play out throughout the rest of the, the kind of marketing site, you know, throughout the other pages. So yeah, I think like that's kind of like one of the, the kind of main components. Again, that's that's that never started like that, you know, before we had like even like the circuitry, you know, obviously we were just trying different, um, like using the logo and just kind of like, you know, using that technique of just like kind of rotating it and like how can we, get it to feel like a bit different, but, you know, at the same time, you know, it uh, feels like clerk, but, you know, we just couldn't, we couldn't land on anything. It was just like, it was actually getting frustrating the amount of ideas that we came up with us. But um, once we kind of like played around with the, the logo, just kind of centered um, in the pricing page. And then, you know, I think I just, I, I think I just like started playing with like the noise on the, the logo again like bring back noise you know like <laughs> i'm an advocate for noise um yeah i think uh you know i think i just kind of added a different element to it and um yeah we wanted to try like how how it might feel like a light source kind of coming through like the navigation and it almost feeling like it's part of like the 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 kind of enterprise um the the enterprise plan that you can see on the right hand side so can i just try to layer it up and structure the page in a way that um you know where the light source is coming from like how does that react to like the bot like how does that react with like the rest of the page yeah there's so many little details about this design that stand out to me one is the light source and mm -hmm. i think actually you are one of the designers that has kind of pulled me in this direction of thinking more strategically about how light interacts with the rest of my yeah. designs especially in dark mode i think there are also some interesting layout techniques that you're using as well. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that jumps out to me is like the space between the 
the H1 and the subtext as it relates to the space between the H1 and that pricing label above. Can you talk to me Mm -hmm. a little bit about like, what are the layout techniques that you find yourself using or relying on? And how does that impact something as simple and tangible as like the spacing on a page? Yeah, I think like, I honestly, like I try not to think too much about this stuff. Like I, that's one of the things that I like to kind of refine is like the page is getting closer to like completion. Cause I feel like, you know, a lot of that stuff can change. You know, I feel like if, if the, if the plans weren't that height, you know, I think that would have like relevance to like the space between, you know, the plans and then the kind of paragraph text under the, the H1. So I don't really have like any, like a go-to plan when I try that sort of stuff. It's just almost like, you know, I like to just kind of get it in there just so that I know structurally how that feels on the page. And, you know, again, playing this, the kind of length of the H1, like how that might look as, as one kind of line of text. Like, I think it just totally changes it. It totally kind of changes the dynamic of like how that, the, the kind of top part of the pricing page might look. So that's why like, you know, always kind of opting for like that setting line of text might help you know just kind of help just kind of helps like bring your eyes further down to the, the actual plans as well i just don't like when you go on a page and it's like the text takes up too much of the page you see like a lot of kind of mm. brutalist style kind of um websites do that where like, they take like the text takes up like the entire like portion of your screen and then you have to like scroll under link go oh so there's that's what i have to look at you know so like trying to keep that in proportion to like plans below was is, is probably something that i kind of subconsciously thought about but yeah i think like there's no real kind of there's no real thought really going into that it's mostly just kind of playing with the structure and making sure that it kind of there's kind of adequate space between um the actual heading and the the plans below how wide did you go with your explorations on this page like how different were the concepts that you were working on and like (laughs) how do you know what good looks like you know like how do you Take all of this, this giant pool of explorations and ultimately say, yes, like that's the one or that's the direction that I want to really drill into. I can't remember who it was on Twitter that asked that question. Someone actually said like, how do you know, like what looks good? I think like it's down to like your taste. Someone might look at that and and might absolutely hate it, you know, like that's fine. (laughs) I think it's like down to like, like if you've got good taste and like you consider yourself to have good taste and you just enjoy what you see on the page, you know? I think like you just honestly you just get like a feeling I think you know like there was a million different ideas that we we played around with for this page and you know as soon as we I I think we had like an idea that just had like the circuitry in the background and it just something just felt empty about it you know like that top section just kind of it didn't feel right you know Um, even though it was probably like an adequate um, example you know and it would have probably worked no problem but it just felt as if like it was just missing something. So as soon as like we added like the the kind of like enlarged uh, logo in there, that's just kind of like fading uh, under the text. And then obviously, I think I think we just had like uh, an example where it was just like the logo and it had like a little bit of noise on it. But I think once we added like the light source, um, like I mentioned previously, I think it just kind of like elevated the page a bit more. And it's just it's just kind of like I think it's honestly you just have to kind of keep going with like an idea that you like, you know, and just kind of keep pushing it as far as you can um, until you kind of hit a point where, you know, you feel good about it. Yeah, it makes sense. And I don't know, my impression of you is that you are like, someone that pushes for the quantity of explorations. And I think a big part of it is just 
not being okay with something that is good enough. Yeah. And in your case, it's probably pretty good. Like without the logo, it yeah. was probably pretty good. We probably <laughs> would have still liked it on Twitter. And yet you still pushed further and further. Like, no, it can be better. No, it can be better. I've tried to get better at and try to kind of improve uh, about myself, you know, and, and when, when I kind of try to like audit myself and kind of say like, you know, what can I do better? And, and I think there was a time where, you know, I felt like if I designed something, I, I just immediately kind of had that kind of marriage towards it. And I was like, no, that's the, this is definitely, this is definitely the design, you know, but, you know, I've tried to kind of question myself a bit more and, and kind of say, you know, when I'm happy with a design, I try and just kind of ask myself that question and say like, how can this actually, how can we make this better? Because things can always be better. And I just think better results will come of that, you know? If you have a good feeling about a design and you, you feel highly about it and people like it as well, I think just always kind of asking yourself that question, like how can I actually make this a bit better and, and try and push it all the way. That mindset is really powerful for your own growth too. So maybe we could even talk a bit about like your personal style, because I do think you have a style and I think you can even tell when yeah. a different designer is posting something on Twitter that is heavily influenced by your style. <laughs> so maybe we can even look at like how that has evolved over time. Mm -hmm. Are there certain like visual techniques that you're using more of now that maybe weren't in your tool belt two or three years ago? When you're a designer, I feel like you need to kind of stay on top of the trends i think it's just a natural thing that you have to do when you're a designer and, and i feel like if you don't do that you kind of almost kind of get left behind in a way and you kind of find yourself you know trying to play catch up with maybe other designers that have that have kind of caught on to like the new trends you know i don't know i think like some of the things that i've i've kind of carried through is just like trying to make sure there's always kind of like a light source you know so for example like buttons like remember when there was that period where you had like flat buttons and like I hated that period I was just like why why are we just like having like buttons that just have a solid color you know just always felt kind of wrong I always kind of made sure there was like strokes and shadows and kind of like inner bevels and um, even if it was subtle you know like and I think like by doing that it kind of like making it feel like that way like kind of almost kind of coming off the page and stuff so yeah I think definitely I think like incorporating um you know, keep, keep, keep them true to like what I liked, you know, and just, and just kind of evolving it over time. It's interesting that you mentioned this idea of like latching on to trends, because I do think mm -hmm. every design exists on some kind of like a trend curve where of course maybe you don't see it that much in the beginning and it's kind of cool. And then it's like really takes off and it's hip and it hits the peak. But then there's mm -hmm. that back half too, where things start to feel a little bit more dated and start to fade away. Yeah. Are there certain trends or visual techniques that you think are approaching that back half of the curve where maybe you are not actually reaching for them anymore? Honestly, I think about this every day. We're designing Clerk just now and, and I'm trying to think of things that might feel a bit dated. Like today, I think I was designing like an illustration or something like that and I incorporated like a kind of grid illustration, kind of like a background element. And I was like, this just feels dated to me now. Yeah, it kind of like put me off, you know. I think it design changes so much in a short space of time. You know, we could go back to like flat buttons next week. Who knows? You know, I don't know. Hopefully not. <laughs> it's interesting you mentioned the grid because I kind of associate you as like the forerunner of that pattern. Where I remember some of the first times I saw you using it years ago and I'm like, oh my gosh, that is so cool. Crack open Figma and try to recreate it kind of thing. Yeah. But I do think 
I land in a similar boat where I wouldn't reach for that anymore because you kind of yeah. see it everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that as soon as that starts happening with something, my first immediate kind of thought is always just kind of like, right, okay, like just tone that back a bit or, or is there a way we can do that a bit differently that, that doesn't feel like everything else, you know? Yeah, 100%. I feel like the grid pattern, I think like I designed a tailwind template um, and it was heavily kind of grid. I think it was like a background element or something like that. And it can, I always remember it kind of doing um, like people liked it on Twitter and stuff. Um, but yeah, I think like I think like the inspiration I got from that and I think like the one of the kind of OGs of that was like Stripe when they kind of released that new their new homepage and they incorporated like the kind of grid layout lines. Um that I think that's like where I got the inspiration. Um just like everyone else did, you know. Um but yeah, I think I think like um yeah, I think like definitely I see it like on dribble and I see it on like layers and stuff like that and I always think like, yeah, maybe I should just tone bit tone that back a bit or try something different, you know. But I think, yeah, I think like trying to notice that, and I think that's like, I think that's maybe like a skill in itself is like recognizing that, you know, and like recognizing that that people are overdoing it, and then you you it kind of almost makes you think a different way because it makes you think like, right, okay, what what's like the next thing that we can try and you know like design, you know, and it kind of sparks new ideas and stuff like that, you know. What do you think is the next thing that we can try? Are there certain trends that you think we're going to be seeing more of next year or maybe even just ways that you're trying to stay ahead of the trend curve? Honestly, I, like, I think textures are coming back genuinely. Like, I think, um, you know, I think like obviously the linen texture from, from Apple got a bit of heat, you know, when you started using that, when it kind of like faded out, like iOS 7 time, mm-hmm. um, when they kind of like went all flat and like just strokes everywhere. I think like, honestly, I genuinely think like, like different textures, like just sort of some sort of texture kind of base, like visual design will, will kind of become popular again. So whether that's like linen or like, you know, brushed metal or something like that, um, you know, I think you already seen it. Like I feel like Apple always kind of like set these trends genuinely because like every time they kind of release a new keynote, they always kind of incorporate something kind of new again or like the design just goes full circle, you know. They're always kind of like at the forefront of of uh, the kind of design inspiration for me anyway and i think like with our keynotes they always kind of introduce like some sort of like new texture or something like that that then you know makes its way onto the web so i think like yeah definitely kind of like textures for sure like i would love i would love that's just maybe a, a kind of um a hope for me you know i hope i hope they do like so i think it'll just make things a bit more interesting i want to play a little bit of a game here and keep talking about some of these trends because you know you are one of the main visual trend centers so i want to get your perspective on a few (laughs) things that i'm seeing you know on twitter on dribble on my favorite sites and your job is to identify where they fit on this trend line are they trending up are they at the peak or are they trending down right sound good yeah let's do it okay yeah that sounds good (laughs) first one rotating gradient borders on buttons I would say that's trending down. I would say that's kind of like fading out. I think you see that. I think that's something I see like quite a lot on like Twitter and and, and Dribble and stuff like that. Um, I did see uh, Roger King at Figma. I think he shared like a a kind of version of it, and it was like adapted a different way that looked quite cool. It was almost like 
the, there was kind of like two main starting points for the for the kind of animation and kind of flipped round or something like that. I can't remember if it was him. Um, and I thought that was like a kind of cool like um, version of it. You know, it wasn't your typical like like kind of comet trail. You know, like round mm-hmm. the button. But it goes back to like can you adapt something that feels kind of like outdated, you know, can you adapt it? And I think that was like a good example of that. So I think like if you were just talking about like comet trails going around like a button, I feel like, yeah, that's probably something that's maybe on the downward trend. But, um, but yeah, I think I I like to see, I like to see different kind of like examples of that. I like that response because you are kind of abstracting it to a higher level takeaway where it's like, yeah, maybe that common trail is not something that we would reach for, but the higher level idea of, okay, how can we add some kind of perpetual motion around a button exactly. to bring attention to the CTA? That's not going away. And maybe there is like, mm-hmm. you know, derivative two, three, four of that original idea that in many ways, like I, I kind of think like the framer remix culture even is accelerating some of these trends like we saw that button it came out it was like okay that's sick and then it was in like 15 (laughs) different remix files and everyone had it on every portfolio on every website yeah all right let's do the next one giant full width cta buttons in the footer (sighs) nah i'm not for that i'm like i'm against that one (laughs) (laughs) i think (laughs) i think it's um I mean, it's just not my kind of style. I just wouldn't like. I just wouldn't do something like that on a design. You know, I feel like maybe that's part of like why I just don't. I don't have like a good feeling about that. Next one, animated <laughs> bento grids. Oh, we're going into Brian Loving territory here, aren't we? Like, <laughs> he made like some really good points. I think it depends on you know um, the kind of stage you're at with your your product and and kind of like your timeline on what where you're at i think they're fine if they're executed well and you know obviously i've i've you know designed a bunch of different kind of bento boxes and we, we're incorporating one into um into clerks so um i think like you know really trying to make sure that um you know some of some of brian's points are, are valid you know like making sure that they're not crazily animated that just you have no idea what the the actual product feature is or you know i think like finding that right balance uh, between the design and the animation i think like as long as you get that balance right i think like there's kind of value there and um again it it helps with your brand and it helps it helps kind of like get your brand out there as well so we're definitely pushing for that kind of middle ground you know like making sure that you know obviously it's pretty and like we want to make sure that the 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 people know and understand what the actual product feature is but at the same time you know making sure that it's informative and and people actually understand and um you know understand what the actual product is it's okay to just call him a grouch and say that it's trending up yeah (laughs) (laughs) he'll get over yeah i mean like yeah yeah (laughs) all right let's do another one inline icons so icons inside of like a heading piece of text i think that's like a nice trend to keep around for sure yeah i think i agree with that one i think that one's trending up pretty quickly and i've Mm -hmm. even found myself starting to use it a little bit so uh what about 3d shapes and abstract 3d patterns on a website i'd probably say that's on the downward trend just purely because they kind of remind me of the elongated kind of people illustrations that you used to see a few years ago and everywhere you know like they kind of they kind of have that same feeling to me where 
you know, they don't serve any kind of purpose to the design. It's just like, you know, just throw them in there. You know, like I always feel like everything on the page should be considered for what the product is or, or, or relate somehow. But when you see like, you know, just random shapes somewhere, it's just like, it's just like filler content, you know, and it almost feels as if you like bought it from like a stock website, you know? Yeah. Um, even though maybe sometimes they're created like individually, but I just kind of get that impression and I get that like feeling from them sometimes. It just almost feels like stock imagery, you know? It reminds me of something that Eric Kennedy said a few episodes ago where he talked about this perceived quality that you derive from knowing that something on a website is like hard to make. And when the 3D stuff first came yeah. out, it was like, whoa, I have no idea how to make that in Figma. This is really high quality. It looks yeah. great on the website, even if it was kind of filler. But now it's like, man, I can Google and find, or even just in the Figma community, I can find 25 different 3D sets that look cool. Yeah. And I could copy and paste them yeah. onto my website in like 20 seconds. Yeah. I think like if you're, if you're just quickly kind of mocking up a, a design that, that you kind of... Um, you know, you need to show and like, sh like maybe kind of you're missing parts of like a design and you need those sort of elements. I think there's definitely like a use case for them. But anyway, I always just like to kind of customize everything and make sure that everything feels designed that you have designed it, you know? I am interested to see how Webflow's integration with Spline is going to accelerate some of the 3D adoption, where hopefully that can be a catalyst to pull mm -hmm. us past these you know, just really kind of random, simple 3D, more abstract patterns into, yeah. okay, now we actually have yeah. really powerful 3D technology. What is the best way that we can tell this product story in an engaging way that uses 3D? That'll be kind of interesting to keep an eye on. I like the, the spline too. I think like, obviously their website's like really cool as well. So I've been kind of keeping an eye on that. Um, obviously, like I said earlier in the call, you know, I really love like 3D stuff and like I follow like a bunch of the artists on Twitter and stuff. So, um, you know, it's one it's one thing I wish like I was really good at was like the 3D stuff. Like it's one thing like Same. I just I wish I had a knack for that because like it's just it's just so interesting to me. Says the guy who has this beautiful 3D logo with light shimmering off of the edge of it on just the last screenshot that we looked like, <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> Pronounced grid lines, but on the full website background. I like. I really like what Vercel done. I seen like a bunch of people on Twitter like hating on them because they felt it was like too simple or, you know, but I, I, I honestly kind of really liked the Vercel uh, design. You know, they kind of... Um, they kept it simple, but you know I really liked how they kind of structured like each section. You kind of got like an immediate. Um, you kind of immediately knew um, there was like individual sections, and you kind of were clearly drawn to each section. You know, um, it wasn't a case of you were kind of confused when you look at looked at it, and nothing like felt cohesive or anything. It, it all it all felt really nice to me, and um, I think like people were just hating because like it didn't really have like much animation and stuff. But like the animation like they did that include was like the perfect amount. So no, I, I think that's like a I think that's a probably a trend you'll kind of see kind of on the rise. Even though Stripe kind of coined it um, a few years ago, I think like you'll probably see like a bunch more kind of companies trying to incorporate that sort of idea. I want to go on a quick side tangent because you described the amount of animation on the Verso website as the perfect amount. What does that mean mm. to you? What is the perfect amount? It's not too much. You kind of, it's easily, you kind of look at it and it's just easy to digest. You know, I think, I think like when a hundred different things are kind of happening on the, on the, 
the site if you're looking at it. I just think you kind of get really confused and you kind of lose your position sometimes, you know, like on some sites. But I think like they just incorporate it really well, like to individual sections. And I think like as well, what helps is like it only happens um, on hover. So I think like there's one section where you kind of just hover and it's got like kind of um, a few circles or something like that and like little kind of circles follow. I think it's like the freaks like follow the path of like the circle. And it only happens when you hover it. So it's not always happening. I think like that's kind of clever, um, a cl- kind of clever way to to kind of control like what you want people to see and um, it's not too much. So um, no, I think that's like, like I said, I think that's like the perfect kind of amount of like animation that just feels like, it just feels subtle and it feels like, it's just like nice to look at, you know? That tees me up into my next trend that I wanted to have you talk about, which is, <clears throat> animations that are tied to scroll position. So you're actually triggering them while you are scrolling mm-hmm. down the page. Where does that exist on the trend curve? I've never been a fan of that, to be honest. Um, I don't know. I just feel like when I scroll, I don't want something to happen when I scroll. I want to scroll and go to where I want to go. I don't want I don't want something else to take its place. Or like, you know, like I just always feel like those feel too busy to me. It's always kind of... Um, yeah, it just feels just just kind of feels like too busy um, when that sort of stuff happens when you scroll. Um, I just always like when you kind of scroll and you're you're taking control of the scroll and you're getting to like where you want to go. I don't really like being. I don't really like when you scroll and things like just happen like randomly. You know. Yeah, it's interesting because it's one of those things where, like, I remember scrolling the first Apple product page where they used these immersive. Yeah while scrolling animations and it was mm-hmm. incredible but it was also really really hard yeah. to do and now it's not as yeah. hard to do because you can just you know spin up yeah. an animation in webflow or framer and most of the js is already pre-built yeah. and all of a sudden it got too easy and too many people were messing it up <laughs> and so yeah. I fall a little bit <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, like the entry level to how you can do that is like kind of being diminished, you know, and it's like yeah. you said, it's pretty easy for people to do that. But yeah, I don't know. I just think it's um, like even even on like the Apple site, I just I just wasn't like obviously some of the things were like crazy, like impressive, you know, like you're kind of like taken away when it kind of zoomed into like a part of the product or something like that, you know, like that was always pretty cool. But yeah, I was. I've never really been a fan of that at all. Like, I just kind of, I don't know. I just kind of like strive to kind of keep things a bit more simple. Okay, so I want to riff on this a little bit more and create a quick hypothetical. You're designing a website from scratch. It's your brand. You have complete creative freedom, and you're targeting developers. Kind of your wheelhouse. What is the primary color that you're reaching for? You'd probably go for like a, a, a kind of dark, you know, like a dark gray or a black even, you know. I think that's like the go-to developer color. Um, you know, we we actually done, um, you know, a huge kind of like documentation redesign at Tailwind. And that was like, you know, we weren't going to, we weren't going to kind of include um, like a dark mode at first. But then, you know, we started to realize that developers really like reading in the dark and having a bright, light website wasn't wasn't going to be fun for them you know so yeah that's probably yeah i'd go for i'd go for like a dark gray or like a gunmetal gray or something like that what about the accent color are you going with purple or are you going with something else i would go for like a sky blue probably sky blue like teal 
maybe. Yeah. I just think that high contrast, like we, we're obviously using like a teal on like some of the darker elements on, on Clerk just now. And um, I think teal and kind of sky blue kind of worked really well. Um, obviously, you know, purple is probably overused, but I think like if I think like you just have to play with the like different shades and tones of like purple just to get it right. Like we are, I don't know if you noticed, but like we're, we're kind of like incorporating kind of really old kind of like Apple like style buttons where it's like you've got that kind of half um kind of white bar and the kind of upper half of the button that's mm. just kind of like really faint yeah i would say i would say sky blue or or, or kind of like a teal for for for, for kind of darker uh, color in the background we've covered a ton of ground i want to create a little bit of space for you know anything else that you want to say or any questions that you feel like i didn't ask i get a bunch of DMs on Twitter from like you know designers just kind of starting out and and the kind of main questions that are always asked is like how do you how do you get started like how is it how is it you've you you know you kind of got good at design and stuff like that and I'm kind of almost doing this for like my own benefit just so that people can watch this and I can just send them a link I think um you know the one thing that always that I always just say is just like kind of if you're passionate about it you're gonna you're gonna eventually get good at it and Kind of what I mean by that is just, I think you do have to have like a real passion for design, especially web design and like, you know, marketing sites and product and UI. And I just think like a big thing that people kind of like miss and don't really talk about really is sharing your work, regardless of like your skill level. I think like constantly just sharing your work and putting your putting yourself out there for, for, for feedback. And I know that it can be scary and I know it can be, um, kind of intimidating sometimes but it's honestly the only way that I've got better as a designer genuinely like obviously you know I've had people that I look up to and, and other designers over the years on dribble and stuff like that but the main thing that I would say is is just constantly kind of share your work and a hundred percent people will be there to kind of give feedback and and that'll just make you that'll just make you better a hundred percent like if you just don't do it over a period of time and, and just kind of stick in and, and, and um, you know, just aim to get a bit better every day. Like, I genuinely think, like, you know, sharing your work and other peers and other people in the, the community will, will by far, you know, most more often than not be positive about um, your work and, and try and offer feedback. Like, that's one thing I would always kind of just say to, to start to designers starting out. Um, who are maybe kind of on their kind of beginning of their journey as being a designer. Do you have any advice for designers who aren't necessarily at the beginning of their journey? Maybe they've been doing this for three, four years. They have the passion. They want to improve. I think common advice that you would often hear is like, well, you should spend time, you know, doing copy work of the designs that you, you know, think are good. I want to yeah. push past that though. So if like for that ambitious designer that's, that's listening, what is a next step that they can take to invest in their visual design skills? I think obviously completely honing in on the skills that they've got, you know, I think, I think like just being true to yourself and, and recognizing kind of what you're good at and, and, and try to really double down on that. I think you only kind of get better if you do that. Just try and try and find other designers that inspire me and, and um, take inspiration from their work and, and you know, try and, try and just kind of make my own kind of 
um, design style from that and just kind of evolve my own design style through that. Well, thank you, James. This has been awesome. You've been like such an inspiration for me over the years. And I know I speak for a lot oh, of people appreciate uh, saying thank you for sharing your work so that we can all copy it and use it to influence our own designs. <laughs> no, I appreciate that, man. Thanks very much for, for having me. I appreciate awesome. that.